Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The East St. Louis public housing system has been troubled for years. In 1985, HUD took receivership of a substandard system. Longtime residents say things did not improve over time, that physical deterioration, health, and security issues re-emerged. Last September, HUD returned control to the East St. Louis Housing Authority, even though inspectors had found numerous ongoing violations that may have even contributed to the murder of a resident. Many residents want out. What now? This story is detailed in the Southern Illinois newspaper and a story by reporter Molly Parker. She joins us by phone from New York City. In studio is St. Louis Public Radio Sharing America reporter Ashley Lisenby. She did a companion piece for us here. They are reporting as part of the ProPublica Local Reporting Network. Ladies, thanks so much for being with us. Great to have you. Thanks, Don. Molly, let me begin with you. it's hard to believe that this situation in public housing in East St. Louis has been going on for so very long. Yeah, that, I mean, that's right. It, it is uh, something that has uh, many, many years been an issue for residents. Um, I understand that a lot of the longtime residents told me things got a little better when HUD took over at first, but um, like many uh, old uh, housing complexes across the country that have been cash star for repairs, um, it's not surprising to see buildings built in the 40s and 50s uh, suffering again. Well, that cash situa- situation doesn't seem likely to get much better soon. That's right. I, this administration has uh, actually proposed zeroing out or completely eliminating the funding for capital repairs, which is those that pay for major system repairs like new roofs and HVAC systems, uh, things that these old buildings desperately need. And Congress has so far sort of bucked some of those uh, requests of the administration, but moving into the next few fiscal years, there's a lot of uncertainty for housing authorities. Why would HUD have decided uh, last year to uh, reinstate uh, the St. Louis housing, East St. Louis Housing Authority? Um, I suppose that's a million-dollar question. I think there is this belief within uh, people who follow public housing or that, oh, HUD should, if they just, you know, inspected the properties better and if they came in and took control of housing authorities, um, what they put them in what they call receivership, that they have some sort of magic ability to correct problems. I think what we're finding is that, you you know, you can't inspect your way out of this problem and you can't uh, take over your way out of this problem. The folks that come in on HUD, they do offer sometimes some additional expertise, but they, they have no more resources at hand oftentimes to address the problems that brought them there in the first place. And without sort of a wholesale rethinking of what are we going to do about these older buildings in areas, you know, in some communities that have strong economies, there has been some success at, at uh, public-private partnerships. But even that, you know, hasn't solved the affordable housing shortage in our country, even in fast-growing cities. But in particularly in economically struggling cities, the ability to, uh, you know, replace what's lost financially with private investment is even harder. Well, I asked that question because when the housing secretary came in last September to, to reinstate, um, his own inspectors had indicated that there were numerous violations that still hadn't been corrected. And, in fact, he didn't even bother to visit any of the projects while he was here. You know, they had the, the event. I was at the event. It was, um, you know, definitely on the, uh, a positive event. I, I know for the city, they looked at, you know, being able to put this back under their control as a very positive thing for the city. And again, in some ways, I, one might argue, well, what if HUD wasn't going to do anything more, um, perhaps it is time for city leadership to try to do what they can. Um, there were still folks 
you know, involved at the city level and the local level working for the housing authority. It wasn't like all these HUD employees were down here from Washington. I think that's a misconception that they were down here, like physically running it 24 seven, but it was under HUD control. Um, but I, I think it, it poses this larger question of like, as we see certain communities that have lost uh, funding and aren't able to replace funding and have these old, old unsafe buildings, um, you know, you could say, well, HUD should come in and take them over. But I think East St. Louis is a, it shows that HUD, HUD doesn't necessarily have solutions for addressing the unsafe conditions either. Um, so, again, you can't you can receivership or inspect your way out of the problem. There has to be some more creative solutions to address. Uh, these conditions, and I don't, I don't think anyone would argue that like children, you know, should be living in conditions that are just inherently unsafe, where we have mold, uh, lead paint, et cetera. It's not about, um, you know, uh, looking down on any one particular community. It's just about a matter of having the resources um, to to address and just make sure that these conditions are decent, safe, and sanitary as the law requires. That is a legal mandate. It is not true that public housing is just. You know, I think sometimes it's just written off as, well, it's all bad. And, and that's just simply not true. I, I should point out, by the way, that we invited uh, representatives from the city of East St. Louis and from the Housing Authority to be a part of this program, and they declined to do so. Let me turn now to uh, Ashley Listenby. Ashley, um, little wonder that a lot of people want to get out of that public housing uh, area over in East St. Louis. What are you finding? Exactly. Um, I went over to a woman's unit over in the John Robinson homes where Molly uh, investigated conditions there. Um, and this one woman's apartment uh, or home, rather, um, was falling apart. She had complained about uh, several issues in her bathroom, the door being off the hinges, no one running water in her um, bathroom sink, uh, her tub leaking down into her kitchen, um, creating lots of problems, um, including mold for her family and her kids kids. Um, so when we talked, she said she was interested in, in moving, obviously, um, considering the conditions. But over the last three years, uh, has not uh, been eligible or hasn't received Section 8 vouchers, the housing choice voucher that would help her to move into a private market rate apartment. I think we ought to explain how that works, because these sure. are vouchers that are obtained not from East St. Louis, but from the county. Yeah, exactly. So from St. Clair um, County Housing Authority. And so they have a long list of folks who are looking for these housing, excuse me, <clears throat> housing choice vouchers. 7,000? 7,000 people. Um, and and that's not uncommon. Um, in St. Louis County, there are uh, about 11,000 applicants um, on, on that housing choice voucher list. And that's information I received back in May when I was covering a different story. And I talked to the dire- executive director there. Um, so it's it's not an uncommon um, thing to find, but it is very frustrating for the applicants who are unsure how the process works. Um, in St. Clair County, they have a preferential point system where they um, give priority to veterans, to the elderly, to people who are homeless, um, those who have been displaced because of natural disasters, all things that are reasonable uh, to consider. Um, But it kind of leaves an interesting gray area for people who are single or have children and are working and, and may not ever get to the top of that wait list. 
And if there are 7,000 of these people, I mean, it's hard to imagine there are 7,000 properties readily available at any given time to, uh, to house them. Exactly, right. Yeah. So it's um, th- that problem of, of demand and what's available. And so the de- demand in St. Clair County is very high, um, but the availability is not. And yeah. so that cr- also creates uh, a, another layer to this problem. Uh, Molly, uh, c- coming back to you, uh, the conditions that Ashley has just described are exactly the sort of things that, that you were looking at. But you're looking at public housing elsewhere, too, as I understand it. Uh, is this so terribly unique here in East St. Louis? Absolutely not. Um, you know, there are communities that struggle more than others with their housing stock. And Often it has to do with the fact that the housing in those communities is just extremely old, and some of that may be historical about the way these communities um, looked 100 years ago. So you have places like East St. Louis and even, you know, Gary, Indiana is another example of a housing authority and receivership. Well, these were fast-growing, booming industrial cities. So part of this, not holistically across the country, but part of this becomes uh, an issue of this housing went up during a time of large population growth, uh, and, and it was mainly were, you know, housing for workers. And as these, the decades have gone by, as we know about East St. Louis and some other communities, uh, for a variety of reasons, a changing economy, racism is part of it. We've had the, the middle class has left. Uh, the population has changed dramatically and is much, much smaller, but you still have a large housing stock. Now, East St. Louis has downsized somewhat over the years, but you still have a large percent of the population relying on the housing. And again, where you have a different equation in fast-growing cities that also have a terrible affordable housing crisis um, and crunch, they are at least able to tap into some a, a bit of private market uh, you know, housing to rebuild. Obviously, Illinois, I, you know, looking at... Uh, HUD is one thing. I think the state of Illinois is also going to have to start to have this conversation. Where are we? Uh, where do we have these housing shortages? Not just with public housing, but inadequate private market housing that's not subsidized. Um, you know, many of our communities have these issues, and they're more difficult to deal with when you're in stagnant or declining uh, economic conditions, which is not an East St. Louis specific problem. Obviously, it's very much on display there, but you can look across the whole Southern Illinois region and see community after community struggling with these problems. East St. Louis's public housing problem is particular to the fact that their buildings are also extremely old, built in the early 1940s, uh, some of them. I should point out that uh, later on in this program, we're going to be talking with a member of our We Live Here team because uh, they're dealing with an eviction case. Their, their focus is on housing during this season. And we'll be talking about an eviction case, uh, which has gone all the way to the Missouri Supreme Court. And uh, it, it reflects the kind of conditions that you're talking about, not in public housing, but in inferior housing in St. Louis. I have to take a break. Let's do that now. We'll come back and continue our conversation on the public housing situation in East St. Louis. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University offering world-class education within reach. Welcome back to our conversation about the public housing situation in East St. Louis. 
My conversation is with Molly Parker, a reporter with the Southern Illinoisan. She's uh, talking to us from New York City. And we have St. Louis Public Radio reporter Ashley Lisenby with us in studio. Ashley, let me turn to you. Uh, Molly mentioned something about, uh, about racism possibly being a factor in all of this. How do you look at that? Oftentimes, people who live in these communities are invisible to the rest of the community. Right. Um, it, it is disproportionately um, folks who identify as black or African-American who live in the, the housing project that I visited, um, the John Robinson Homes. Um, and, and the woman I met, she made a comment about that. She said she felt un- that she wasn't being seen. Um, and she felt that that had a lot to do with not only her race, but her socioeconomic status, being low income. Um, and that uh, is an age-old story, um, an age-old problem, um, how officials and and just other people who live in a community see folks who live in the projects um, and can, can be very um, uh, degrading to the folks who live there. How, how do you see it, uh, Molly? You, you mentioned it, but are you saying the same thing in the other places you've visited and, and stories you've read? I mean, that's, I, I think it's an undeniable part of the equation that, again, both uh, people of color and also just generally people of low income are, you know, feel like they're left out of the conversation oftentimes. I mean, even when you look at, you know, what to do in a situation like East St. Louis, and again, not just East St. Louis, but other communities in, that are in a similar situation, it's such a tough there's such a tough thing because there, unfortunately, are no easy answers, and often the the answers are painful on both ends. I mean, do you shut housing down and issue these vouchers that Ashley's reporting on? I mean, a lot of people, some people want to leave East St. Louis, but it's also true that many people want to stay in their home community. Um, and, you know, the the options are always talked about as helping people move um, elsewhere, but you you don't hear enough about the conversation about helping people move in and helping rebuild. Um, you hear it within the city, but you don't hear it much, you know, unless you're unless the political leaders are forced to talk about it within the state and our country, um, because these are tough, tough situations. They just choose to look the other way, I believe, a lot of times. And um, I mean, I couldn't say it better than Ashley did, but I hear that a lot as well when I visit East St. Louis and other places across the country and talk to people who rely on subsidized housing. They feel like they're stigmatized and forgotten. Um, you know, often people will note to me like that people think public and housing don't work and don't pay rent, and neither of those things are true. Often people are working sometimes multiple jobs, and they are paying 30% of their income, like most of us, uh, toward their housing. You know, in, in reading your story, and I think I, I got this from your story, it was suggested that uh, perhaps HUD uh, is disassociating itself from the, the situation to avoid uh, these these kinds of problems. Does that sound right to you? Is that something that you wrote? That was a, a comment the state's attorney made that he uh, felt like um, that he, they were distancing themselves from the problem by turning it over to local officials who um, many people talk very highly of the housing authority director and the mayor and their, and their abilities and their desires to turn around East St. Louis, but that if you hand them something with no solutions or very few solutions, um, or solutions that are unrealistic in a short amount of time and enough time to address conditions that are happening now and are very unsafe, you know, what are you, what are you handing them? You know, why are you just setting them up to fail? 
And, um, you know, I know they have I know they have plans and I know that they are working toward uh, rebuilding as are many communities. But I think these conversations need to be elevated to another platform to realize that this is not just happening in one particular community. um, And you can't just fault a particular community that this is a nationwide uh, a nationwide problem and that public housing can and often is very, very safe and that where it's not, that there needs to be solutions to address it. Ashley, how would you assess St. Clair County's desire, willingness uh, to, uh, to deal with this voucher problem? Sure. The executive director there seems very willing. The desire is there. Um, I think it comes down to uh, the housing stock. What are the resources? Is you know is that readily avail- available for families who are interested in moving into private housing? Um, so another woman I spoke with, uh, Arthea, um, is in her fifties, her late fifties, and um, go- kind of returning back to this issue of. of uh, of socioeconomic status um, and and race and the combination of those two things. She's been living in public housing for over 30 years um, and has been waiting for a Section 8 voucher for th- over 30 years. Um, but now she's considering subsidized senior housing as an option, but has to go through a similar process. Um, but Is this something that would cost the county money in any sense uh, of the word? Well, the funding for these vouchers is combined, right? It's it's local money, it's federal money that goes into giving um, families Section 8 vouchers. So, yes, but like with all subsidized programs, it's a combination of funds coming from different places. With uh, It's been indicated that Congress doesn't have the appetite for spending much more money, if any more money, on, on this situation. Sure. I, I wonder about signals from the top in this administration, whether there's any reason to believe that the Trump administration would like to reverse that. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much authority I have to speak on that. Maybe Molly knows more about it than I do. Um, but my my gut reaction would be no. Yeah, it doesn't seem that way. Molly, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, what you hear out of this administration from Ben Carson, who is the Trump administration's appointee to run HUD, is that they are they are doing some things toward uh, you know really encouraging private investment and privatization. I won't say it's that there aren't any creative solutions coming out of the administration, but they do seem to largely be sitting on the sidelines. And, and, if, and if you're in a community that doesn't have the ability to utilize some of these tools that they're putting forth that really rely heavily, even more so on privatization, that you're kind of you're left out of the equation. Those The communities that we're talking about, not just East St. Louis, but across southern Illinois and uh, parts of St. Louis and others of us in this Midwest, Industrial Rust Belt are are not part of the are not part of some of those discussions. Uh, I want to I, I alluded to it in the introduction to our conversation here, to the fact that you you, you are tying in a sense a, a murder in the East St. Louis Public Housing Unit uh, to the situation there. Very quickly, give us that story if you would. Well, and and to be clear, you know we're not saying that um, you know we're very, being. The, the conversation about that was very particular to the security of the unit and to the fact that um, the homicide that occurred at the John Robinson homes, uh, police said that the intruder entered through a, a window and that the parent, uh, the mother of Alexis Winston, a young tenant there with her child, um, she was killed in front of her baby, um, that they broke in through that window after she had asked for you know weeks for there to be, first off, it didn't lock but then it also was missing a flat uh, security screen that is commonly seen on others throughout the complex. We have a caller from East St. Louis. Uh, Our time is winding down, but let's bring in David. David, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. I simply want to say that uh, 
the housing situation in East St. Louis is compound by uh, discriminatory practice that had itself within existence. I was a property owner in East St. Louis who accepted uh, Section 8 uh, vouchers, and uh, they redlined. They would only pay us a certain price, no matter how well, uh, in comparison to other communities, our properties were. And uh, they simply discriminated. It didn't matter the fact that, uh, for example, I had a four-bedroom house, air-conditioned, uh, well-insulated. They would only pay me $600 for a four-bedroom unit, whereas they, someone actually moved to uh, actually Washington Park to a white owner, and they paid them $800 uh, for a uh, four bedroom and two of the rooms were in the basement makeshift. David, so, David, we, I, we have the point. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but because of our time consideration, I want to get uh, Ashley to react to that. Is that something you've been seeing and hearing as well? Sure. I guess that's the other side of this story on housing vouchers, right? This one side that I've covered is about um, access, getting access to them. The other side is, well, where are people going once they already have them. Um, and Molly touched on it a little bit, but this idea of sending people to quote unquote high opportunity areas, um, that, that's, that's coded language, honestly, for sending them uh, outside of their immediate communities. Um, and, and this man's experience, you know, I haven't reported on it, but he, there very well might be something there. Right. Uh, our time winding down, Molly, um, where do we go from here from your perspective? Well, I wish I knew those answers. I, I wouldn't even begin to uh, believe that I could solve the housing crisis in East St. Louis or elsewhere. But I think that bringing more, of course, our role as journalists, bring more light to these issues, uh, like the caller was talking about. I think those are things that we should be, be looking into in East St. Louis and other communities. I think that there is very much validity to uh, what he's talking about, about, you know, handing people vouchers and just saying, well, good luck isn't the answer either. Um, there has to be some mix of solutions here. And I think this not just the federal government, I think our state needs to step up to the plate and start talking about this a little bit more in Illinois as well. Ashley, where do we go from here from your perspective? Um, I, I think I'm just as at a loss as Molly on how, how where this goes uh, next. Um, but I think there are lots of conversations in our region about how to um, provide more affordable housing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's on both ends for people who are in public housing and also for private housing. You've both made it very clear that that is definitely necessary. That's, no question about I think that. that's where it's going. I want to thank you, Molly Parker from the uh, Southern Illinois for being with us. Great to talk to you. And Ashley, thank you for being with us as well. Thank, thank you. you so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.